Griffin, you know from talking to me about various and sundry sports that I love putting things in historical context. It's very fun to me to make lists and to rank players and to discuss whether a player is a top five or a top ten at this or that. Is you know, it's Nikola Jokic a top two passing big man of all time. I love stupid things like that. But I do feel like recently our desire to put everything in its broader historical context has impacted our ability to appreciate greatness in the moment. Like Nikola Jokic, he won the MVP this year. He had a great season. Everyone knows this. But I feel like we don't really talk about how he just averaged 27 points, 14 rebounds, and 8 assists as a big man. And, you know... If you're a basketball fan, you probably know that player efficiency rating is not a super uh, in-depth or advanced metric as we once thought it was, but he did just have the highest PER in NBA history. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, who already has two MVPs himself, was averaging 30 points and 11.5 rebounds and six assists and had the third highest PER in history. Like I said, PER isn't everything, but... Literally, we didn't think that was possible, except for when Wilt Chamberlain did it in the 60s, and now we have players who are reaching those heights in the same season. But the conversation, it felt like a regular, which of these guys had the better season, who should win MVP type of conversation, not a, we just saw two of the best seasons in NBA history kind of conversation. I'm not going to give up any of my historical chats, I'm still going to talk about uh, you know, whether Nikola Jokic or Arvidas Sabonis was a better high post operator. But I think we should take a step back and just enjoy what we have in the moment. And what you have in this moment, listener, is another episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. And welcome to High Floor Low Ceiling. Someone in this Zoom call is jamming on a guitar. Uh, welcome everyone to the episode. I enjoy that ambulance sound. Uh, we've talked about the film Ambulance on this podcast, right Griffin? No, we have not, Chris, but I can only assume that as soon as we started recording, some emergency service somewhere leapt into action. Uh as people all around the city keeled over in excitement because we have a great guest that I just <laughs> want to introduce because I'm sure they'll want to engage in our ambulance discussion. Uh, but when you say you want to introduce them, do yeah, you want I, me to Yeah, I, I was just going to give it a pregnant <laughs> pause there first. Chris, it's one of our all-time favorite guests. I believe not only is he our first ever three-time guest on High Floor Low Ceiling, I believe he is about to become our first ever four-time guest. On high floor, low ceiling. Wow. It's the uh, first alternate. If anything ever happens to you, we've been through that before. Um, right, Clem McConnell. Welcome back to high floor, low ceiling. Thank you so much for having me. It is always a pleasure. Wow. <laughs> wow. So much Clem, nicer have you seen on the, the film than he is in real life. <laughs> it's true. We just spent a solid hour on a call together before recording this podcast where Clem was just roasting us. Uh, had some rude things to say about my rundown. Uh, Clem, I, never, I guess my I, first question for you would be, where do you get off? I I was not... What I literally do is read through the rundown, and then you <laughs> and interpret critique. that as me being rude. I just say, oh, 
this is gonna we're gonna talk about this today and then you somehow through <laughs> i don't know exactly if it's my tone or what it is it's but your own insecurities oh it's i didn't want to say that <laughs> because you didn't want to be seen as uh being too scathing but i mean like you know norm Macdonald in the news his new uh special dropped i assume you watched that clem i actually have been saving it for today which is my first day off since he dropped the special so no it's it's probably right for you to assume that i had but i've been a very busy busy person and that's something that i wanted to kind of save for when i actually had time to sit down and watch yeah so i plan sure. on doing it later this afternoon or this evening but no, I have not. Yeah. I hope that um, doesn't ruin I, the entire first segment of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a review of nothing special. Um, just plug yeah. yours around the seven-minute mark is what I will say. But uh, ah. I think it is a very Norm McDonaldonian intonation that causes me to <laughs> feel as though you are making jokes at my expense. So I just feel like... The Jays are 31 and 22. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean by that? It's not your best impression, but that's not a bad norm. <laughs> I, come on. I was going to cold. No, yeah. I, 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 I was praising it. I'm just, you have a lot of good impressions and that one's solid. Um, what would you say is my best impression? I guess Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. Can we get that? <laughs> no. We've got to save that for the Christmas episode. Of course, yeah, he'll, he'll is, come back. Is your Jimmy Stewart as good as Griffin's New York is bad? <laughs> hey, no, my hey. First of all, I don't know what. Whoa, you're whoa, whoa, about. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> of course, we know that when Clem comes on, our buddy New York Joe, the other four-time guest on High Floor Low Ceiling. <laughs> You when you lose it, you really lose it. <laughs> yeah, it I so I know weird. that I always say forget about it, but it seems like you guys forgot to have me on high floor low ceiling for a long time. <laughs> you come in really strong, and I I notice you include famous New York expressions like forget about it. Uh, you include yeah. those up top, and then as you're asked to continue speaking, as I'm forced to rely on my yeah. own. Right, you, have, really you have solid anchor phrases, but as soon as you <laughs> yeah, have to exactly. go off of off track, you are, you lose it completely. Right, well, I don't have to stand here and take all of this from a bunch of schmucks, a bunch of schmucks like you two, you two, you two. <laughs> That's what a New York accent is, right? Just like lengthening every word. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're famous for it being like really time sensitive people but they lengthen all of the phrases <laughs> yeah famous it's like you know the famous new york hey, I'm walking incredibly slow here <laughs> yeah yeah uh griffin i believe i'm looking at our uh rundown here and i believe you wanted to celebrate me is that correct I believe I did, Chris. That's quite the uh, viewpoint. I wanted to wish all of our <laughs> listeners a very happy Pride Month. This is our first episode to come out in the month of June. Um, or it's at least our first episode to be recorded in the month of June. I'm not sure yeah, if, might if have, our last episode came out June, June 1st. It may have, but hey. You oh, know, no, I think it was there's... May 31st, actually. I think it was the afternoon of May 31st. But um, Well, great. You're yeah, safe. Yeah, so happy Pride to everyone, Chris. <laughs> Apparently, you took that. Pride is your personal month. Um, no, you're right. You can exclude me, just like you always do. Ex what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm celebrating diversity over here. Hey. But yeah, uh, yeah. Hope you all have a great Pride. Um, 
we don't have any content planned around it, but it's happening, and we're we can we're get with gay. It. Uh, we'll figure you it out. Want to do a, a gay athlete's draft? <laughs> first time in his uh, life, Jason Collins can be a first round pick. <laughs> I guess I will decide whether to cut that out later. <laughs> it's not offensive. <laughs> it does seem to um, miss the point, but <laughs> I, Griffin, you have another note here that you have once again want to reignite your feud with Kyrie Irving. You have a quote here. This uh, is that you would like to share. Yes, Chris. This was a quote uh, that I saw recently on one of those basketball Instagram accounts. You know the ones. Um, mm. Where Kyrie Irving on a Twitch stream. Apparently Kyrie Irving's a Twitch streamer. Uh, don't go watch that. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, Kobe Bryant is the goat. I don't give a fuck. I don't care about your stats. That was a direct quote uh, from Kyrie Irving. I mean... You got to tread lightly with Kobe Bryant discussion nowadays, but I think, Chris, you and I are in agreement that this is an incorrect take. Kobe Bryant is not the greatest basketball player of all time. Well, I, I reading this quote did make me sort of think about what the sort of thought process is going into these kinds of discussions. And it's like, I, I guess the argument is, I don't, I don't really understand, I guess, the argument over Jordan. Because yeah, even if you're only going in terms of like cultural impact and stuff like that, even more than pure on court performance, and you're going from like a legacy perspective, it's still Michael Jordan. But anyway, and I like, don't want to you know, talking about like skill. You know, like he was a very skilled player. He had he was had very fundamentally sound game. Like he was probably you know people talk about him being like double teamed more than any other player in NBA history, and I think that is true. But even putting all of that in its proper perspective, I don't think you can really put Michael Jordan over him in any category, really. Do you mean Kobe Bryant over Michael Jordan? Yes. I don't think yeah. you can put him over Michael Jordan. Right. But anyway, Anyways. that's I, I knew that we would agree on that. I instead have a take about this take. Once again, just to remind our listeners, Kyrie Irving says, quote, Kobe Bryant is the goat. I don't give a fuck. I don't care about your stats. So we've got Kyrie saying that Kobe Bryant is the goat that he doesn't care what people think, that he doesn't care about, like, advanced stats and stuff like that. Or I about, believe, you know, objective data. Exactly. I have a proposition for you and Clem to evaluate <laughs> here. I have a take about this take. I believe that this take is the singular most on-brand sentence by a public figure in human history. I don't think anyone has ever said anything that fits their public persona better than this by Kyrie Irving. And I would like to know your opinion on that. I mean, there's like other contenders like uh, Nelson Mandela said, the greatest glory <laughs> in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. I think that's very on brand for Nelson Mandela. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Kyrie saying Kobe Bryant is the goat is a better quote. I'm just saying it matches Kyrie better than that matches Nelson Mandela. Clem, let's get your thoughts on this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think... Because I don't know. I listen. I haven't delved into Kyrie Irving's, uh, I, I guess, psyche as much as a lot of huge NBA fans do. So I don't know if he thinks that the world is flat 
Is he? Is he's he's part of that, right? He was. I believe he has time. walked that back. I think he said it was a social experiment, which is right. The okay, because I was gonna say, if it was like based on just him seeing the Earth as being flat from his perspective, then I would agree with it being the most on brand. If it was because he had read a bunch of online forums telling him that there was a grander conspiracy, then I would actually be shifting into the territory of it being maybe not on brand because he's just using two different ways of like forming his worldview. And one is through a collection of other people's opinions based on like grand conspiratorial theories versus just like his personal data collection of just what the world <laughs> looks like to him from his singular perspective. So it I'm, depends, I guess my point is on <laughs> where his opinion lies now on how flat the earth is or if it is. Flat right. So you're all. saying that this is like from a cosmological perspective, you're saying that his viewpoint may be affected by his view of the earth. Yeah. Chris, I think this is why we bring Clem on the podcast every once in a while. And I think I think this is the most on-brand sentence. (laughs) It's truly a Um, viewpoint that you can't get anywhere else. Right, precisely. I do think (laughs) this is maybe a strange thing to invoke, but I do think that uh, I would like to extend my best wishes to all, even the haters and losers, on this special date, September (laughs) eleventh. Might be a more on-brand sentence by a public figure. He did not say that aloud. It was a tweet. But, uh, <laughs> but do, do I think, think that, that is in the conversation. Oh, I 100% agree. But it's like his brand has shifted so much since that tweet came out where he's like funny racist billionaire who like tweeted about Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson to like megalomaniac dictator (laughs) threatener of democracy in its purest form that i would say like we just view him in such a different context now that it's like two different people it's true it's true there is a a bit of a delineation point for good old donald trump um (laughs) we've already gone incredibly far afield here uh we wanted to jump right in as we always do and talk about (laughs) The NHL play. I guess we could talk a little bit about the NBA, but you know, there's only one series going on. We've only seen two games out of that. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about the NHL playoffs. Clem, I know you have been, you know, seeing a lot of games, seeing a lot of, uh, media content about these playoffs. What have you thought of, uh, of, of these playoffs so far? Do you have any hot takes or thoughts on how things have proceeded thus far? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, they've been an overall interesting, uh, playoffs. There have been some, I thought that the Battle of Alberta was a really great series and disappointingly ended in just five games. I thought, I mean, even outside of the context, those were just wild, wild games and produced, uh, I don't know, some, some playoff matchups that I, we weren't really expecting. I don't, I don't know. It was just, uh, if, you also were around watching some of those games and really took me off guard. I thought that the Dallas Calgary series 
was a lot of fun. Calgary was just a lot of fun and I would have liked to have seen Calgary more, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I, that's kind of ironic because Calgary is not known for being necessarily a fun team to watch. They're the product of like a Daryl Sutter system and can be just kind of a defensively sound team. And they produced some really interesting playoff hockey, which is maybe indicative of what playoff hockey is in the modern age. But, um, it was really, it's been overall fun so far. The series in the Eastern and Western conference final have been less exciting. I will say that they've kind of I will say, a step back thus far. Uh, one thing I always loved about watching Calgary is I think maybe top to bottom, the best uniforms in the NHL, like the, mm-hmm. their mixes of reds and yellows. I always thought like all, any of their uniform combos are just so good looking out there. Sorry, I was just going to say on uniform topic there. I think Alberta as a whole in hockey has always produced consistently the mm. best uniforms. What um, do we Oilers, think of the Oilers? Dark jerseys are a disgrace. Yeah, yeah. dark <laughs> with the orange unbelievable lettering. Awful. I don't know like what they've done there. Those look like practice uniforms to me, but that's just that's just my opinion. I have a genuine question. Do we think that they? We're trying to invoke the Team North America jerseys from whatever that was when they the, had like the, the Team of Young World Cup of Hockey. Yeah, Connor McDavid Do, and, played. Yeah, he played for Team North America. Everyone lo- kind of loved that team. It was a really fun roster they put together. Do we think that that is part of the impetus for these jerseys? I. I- I'm not sure. The only thought that I've had about them is that I was wondering if they were going to try and shift to like a mean black looking kind of jersey, Mm. black oil being the color of oil. I've always thought that that was like they had never they kind of had that one like oil drop um, uniform from like the mid 2000s, I think. Uh, But it was still a really, really dark blue, not actually quite a black. and these are still not black either, but they're really, really dark. So I don't know. I had not thought about the Team North America up to this point. But that's, that's a great theory. That, that's something I, well, you know, uh, captained by Connor McDavid and uh, Jay Woodcroft, an assistant on that team, I am now seeing here. It's crazy that Jay that was... was sitting like in a design suite working on the uniforms. Uh, I think he probably had input on the logo, yeah. He probably was like, can we get some more orange in here? Because I might want to coach a team a few years from now that is going to have similar colors. It's crazy that that was seven years ago because I, I wasn't was really following say. hockey much when that happened. And like, I was just like, that's such a cool thing that they did. And now it's like, it's like, oh, John Gibson was on that team and he is now like 30 years old. Well, yeah, what's crazy to me is that this is, like, Connor McDavid has been in the NHL. Like, this is his seventh season in the NHL. Isn't that insane? I, the one for me is I was watching an interview with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and he was like, well, yeah, it's my 12th season in Edmonton, and we're getting, and we're, like, now getting this far. And I was like, that's literally insane that he is, like, basically like an Edmonton Oilers lifer at this point, Clem. Yeah, well, John Chidley Hill had a great article, I think, about six or seven months ago, and he signed that extension about him potentially being the longest tenured oiler in franchise history if he sees that contract to the end. Um, it is a weird one to think about because I just remember him being so good when he came up 
12 years ago and being like, I thought at that point the smoothest skater I had ever seen in the NHL. And now the young generation has so passed him in their ability to uh, skate. It's actually wild to watch thinking about Ryan Nugent Hopkins at one point being my idyllic skater. (laughs) Now that there are the likes of Kale McCarr and I mean, even Connor McDavid is a great skater, but he's just so fast He's like right, right. North, South. Yeah, skater, not quite as. Kale McCarr is kind of doing, yeah, more interesting things, I would argue. But but uh, it's like when yeah. you said the young generation there, Clem. Of course, my mind went first to Connor McDavid, but then I was like, no, wait, he's a seven-year NHL veteran. Like, he's he's not the young veteran. generation yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. crazy. I mean, this no, is really fine. just like a "we're old" kind of conversation. Hey, just, uh, speak for yourself. Sure, sure, sure. But it's like you know, like to do a cross-sport comparison. It's like. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns, he's going into his age 27 season. Like, he is, like, part of the, not the young, he's, like, the main generation, like, the 27 to 30 kind of generation in the NBA right now. And he is not, uh, he's not one of the young guys anymore. It's weird to think about. Yeah, Andrew um, Wiggins, like, I still think of him as a young player. Absolutely. Mike Trout is in his 84th season with the Los Angeles Angels. That's wild. And he's and batting 0 for 84 in his last 84 at-bats. Clem, let's just really quick. We're going to talk about baseball later, but do you have any thoughts on the Mike Trout, uh, his his recent slump? Do you think it's uh, linked to the not – I've seen people calling it the slap, but you can't call it that because there's a much more famous slap that also took place in 2022. So let's call it uh, Commissioner Gate. <laughs> right, yeah. Has, has he's so distracted. Or- or his is his second job interfering with his what I think we can all agree is his primary at this point in his I can't right much like you at right Cafe Diplomatico. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, exactly. Much like time. me at Cafe Diplomatico. My serving position at Cafe Diplomatico is to Mike Trout's commissioner of the fantasy football league that he is quite famously. Um I mean, I think we've talked about first of all, I'd like to talk about Mike Trout just being talked about for the first time in what feels like his entire career in a broader <laughs> sure. sports landscape. I think that this this job has gotten him more attention than his primary job has ever gotten. <laughs> so Which is I'm Weatherman? Happy for, I'm, yeah, I'm happy for him in that sense that, uh, you know, his tweets haven't really spiced up as of yet, but I'm hoping this kind of drives him off the rails at least a little bit. And we are seeing it affect his uh, primary job's performance. Um, it is. No, I have no idea. It's baseball. It's weird. I, you can't take anything. Nothing means anything. Uh, it's hard to say anything. Do I think that outside forces on occasion uh, interfere with baseball players' ability to hit the ball really hard like they normally do? Absolutely. Is there any correlation between this specific event and his, uh, this specific slump? It's hard for me to say. Which is the most boring well, answer I could possibly great get. content we, right there. <laughs> we do not hedge on high flow, that's feeling. But, so was, he did a great job of that. He's inside the shrub. That was such a hedge. Um, <laughs> yeah, do, like okay. Homer. Do I think... Yeah, absolutely. It's affected me. <laughs> this is 100% the reason why. And this is I'm Joe Madden, I'm kicking down this door and saying, you give up that fantasy football league right now. You find someone else to commission it. Yeah, it's oh, like how, me how as... Well, how, how well is Gary Bettman hitting in the majors? Right <laughs> yeah. I bet if we put Poorly, Gary Bettman in I the imagine. majors, he would hit below 50. 
because oh, he's sure. distracted. 500, I think. <laughs> no, 50. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would hit below 50. Um, because yeah, and it's kind of ironic. Being a commissioner. It's kind of ironic also because Joe Madden loves football so much, but then he's like, Mike Trout, you should stop playing football, you know? Is this a, a John? Like he's Madden got all those truth? games. <laughs> Hello? Keep, no, keep going, keep going. <laughs> um, to go back to uh, what were we talking about? The oh, Edmonton Oilers. Talking about, well, the Columbus talking the about slap. the Calgary Flames. The Slump and the Slap, sure. That's uh, <laughs> like a new fantasy book title. Um, you were talking about the Calgary Flames, and I feel like the Calgary Flames remind me a lot, uh, to segue into our real topic, of the New York Rangers, in the sense that they're a very sound overall team. You know, obviously, you know, you can con- contrast the goaltending perhaps, but a very sound fundamental team all around that doesn't really, I wouldn't say they have like a super duper star. They certainly don't have a McDavid or a McCarr or a McKinnon really, but just a, a like really constructed top to bottom. And I feel like throughout this whole playoffs, Griffin and I have sort of been writing off the Rangers a little bit. Um, and so, Clem, do you think it's time for us to start giving them their due? They're up 2-1 in the series against uh, against Tampa. They did lose yesterday, but do they – are they here's – here's all the way I'll frame it. Are they more legitimate as a Stanley Cup finalist than the Edmonton Oilers are? Uh, yeah, and I think – I think that they are. And I think it's because – I think it's 100% because of their goaltending and the back end. Um, I have also, I haven't been on the podcast uh, professing my writing off of the New York Rangers, but I think I have been guilty of that as well, as much as I think the, the broader public has, haven't they? I think it's been kind of like oh, definitely. they've been taking everybody by surprise a little bit. Um, I think most people yeah. thought they would lose to the Penguins. I did. I for Me sure too. had yeah, I mean, losing to the Penguins. Yeah. I uh, said so, on this very podcast that, you know, I thought the Penguins were the better team in that series. I thought up till game seven that the Hurricanes were the better team in that series. So I have definitely not uh not given them a ton of respect. Yeah, I think th- I think the only reason though that I am giving them more credence as an actual Stanley Cup contender is because the Edmonton Oilers are playing the Colorado Avalanche. Who sure. Yeah, I, I just mean like I more just, like if you saw this team in a Stanley Cup final, which one right. is more We're, like you're writing them off? And if I could rank the remaining four teams, would I put them ahead of the Edmonton right. Oilers? Yeah, I think I actually would, even though obviously the Oilers do have some unbelievable weapons. We know that Leon Dreisaitl's ankle is kind of hindering his ability to be a – you know, probably top five player in the league. Um, and I just don't know if McDavid, and we've been saying this for a long time now, but can do it all, literally all of it. And that's kind of what they've asked him to do, essentially, at this point. Yeah, and Chris, I think it just sort of speaks to how people see this Rangers team that, like, you said, for example, that they don't have, like, a true bona fide superstar, but Chris Kreider scored 52 goals this year and was third in the NHL in goals. Micah Zibanejad has 24 points in the playoffs this year. He's only four behind Dreisaitl for second place. Like, they have some great offensive weapons, but I think people just focus on the goaltending and they focus on the strong system that they play under Gerard Gallant. And, uh, 
yeah, that's they've really caught a lot of people by surprise, I think, all year, including maybe the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I mean... include Adam Fox either, sorry. No, yeah, for sure. No. The reigning Norris Trophy yeah. winner. And Artemi Panarin. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, like, God. the yeah. way... Yeah. The way I was sort of talking about it to someone the other day was like, they have a, they have a ton of eights, but they don't have a 10. But mm-hmm. I do think that hockey in more than any other sport is a sport where if you can put a bunch of eights on a team and have them play really well together and then put a good goalie behind them and like that's more than enough to win a Stanley Cup, hypothetically. Um, Clem, they do have the 2-1 advantage in the series. Are you at the point where... You know, because I think people would definitely have said the balance was heavily tilted towards Tampa in terms of who you would expect to win the series. Obviously, them picking up two straight wins <laughs> shifted that significantly. Now it's a little more even at 2-1. So where does your barometer sit in this series? Like, have the Rangers done enough to tilt you over to their side to say that they're favored to win? Or are you still, does that lead that the Lightning came out with still sort of bump them over the line in, in your mind? Uh, I mean, I still think Tampa's going to win the series. I think I would be, cl- I would still be at like 50-50 if the Rangers had taken a 3-0 lead. Only because I just can't put anything past Tampa at this point. There's such a weird, insane team. I think Kucherov is the most exciting player to watch in the NHL. Like more than McKinnon, more than McDavid. More than Makar, every time Kucherov is on the ice, I'm actually interested to see what he'll do because he'll do something very weird and spectacular. Whereas those other guys will just do something unbelievable and like it's like a superhero doing it. Sometimes when I watch Kucherov, I'm like, oh, I feel like everyone actually could do that. They just don't do it. <laughs> it's weird. He doesn't have any of these like raw skills that McDavid, McKinnon, or Makar have. He's just like this, he's like the player who played on like a second line in the WHL and is now in your like small town beer league, just doing weird passes, making like interesting plays that no one else would dream of because they just don't have that like hockey sense. I think he's like the most creative player in the NHL. And um, when you have a player that's creative like that, I think that they can be so difficult to defend and shut down, which is something that we've seen over the last few years, that at any point he can just make a couple plays and totally win a game. So, uh, no, I still think Tampa Bay is going to win that series, unfortunately, even though Shesterkin is obviously a, a huge problem for them. Yeah, like as we just sort of just a minute ago ran down that list of all the talent that the Rangers have and didn't even get to like Alexi Lafreniere, um, it it is like you do end up sitting there thinking, wow, this team is really good. Like I I don't know why I'm surprised that they're here right now because yeah. there's a lot of great players on this team and uh, it's cool to see an original six franchise obviously doing well and the uh, – New York and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of reason to root for the Rangers and I think I, I would be happy to see them make the cup final, but yeah, I just have, like, it's just like, I will believe that Tampa Bay is eliminated when the buzzer goes on their fourth loss. Like, yeah, exactly. it's certainly hard to, it's hard to pick them against Tampa. It's hard to pick anyone against Tampa. Really? Like, I feel like you can start to make the case for Colorado, but it's also like, if that Colorado series was like a, well, I mean, it, it just wouldn't have been, it's not like the Tampa series where 
you know, two of the games were three, two games. I guess, you know, you can say that game three of the Avalanche uh, Oilers series was, you know, not, not fluky, but I feel like, you know, one goal games, you can say that there's a certain amount of variance and randomness that goes into it, Clem. But, you know, it's hard to say that there is a universe where the Oilers are leading this series, right? Yeah, I think it's really tough to say that. Yeah, um, absolutely, they could win a game, but that's why you play seven. And I mean, that's a really cliche way to put it. But um, yeah, I that one. I mean, when you look at Colorado's roster, it is like they're like New York, and that they have a bunch of eights, and then it's like, oh right, and then they do have a McKinnon and a Makar. So <laughs> yeah, you're actually like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> It's wild that that team exists in the modern era, um, but it's cool to kind is of that, watch. Is that team more stacked than either of the two Lightning teams that won the Cup? Because, you know, there was all that discussion that one year about the, you know, having Kucherov on the IR and how it allowed them that flexibility and things like that. Is Was that a more stacked roster? I still think uh, these avalanche teams are more stacked. Like honestly the past 3 the past 3 years I think they've been the most talented team in the NHL on paper uh by merit of them signing Nathan McKinnon to a long contract when he wasn't very good. It's like the Steph Curry contract basically that enabled mm-hmm. those great Golden State Warriors teams. Um so I think that yeah the war this avalanche is the most stacked team in the nhl i think it's the most stacked team in the nhl we've seen in a long time and they're running out of years on that mckinnon contract so i think there's a lot of pressure in colorado to get this done while you still can but at the same time like their depth isn't quite like it doesn't blow your mind like the way that the lightning's fourth line would like blow your mind it's like how are those guys on at the bottom you know if you look at the bottom of their depth chart it's like sure they have like Darren Helm and Alex Newhook and Cogliano and those kind of guys. And it's like, yeah, they have a really good second defensive pairing, but they're not like top to bottom, unbelievably stacked, especially right now because they have the injuries and stuff. They have Kadri out and it's like, you know, Nathan McKinnon, Landis Gog and Nichushkin isn't like a mind blowing first line, right, Clem? Yeah, I, I know what you're, I, I can see what you're kind of getting at, but I, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think now because I'm trying to think of some of the rosters, especially. Well, yeah, the one year when Kutrov came back, it did feel like a bit of a cheat code. I think that there was that Willy Wonka meme going around everywhere where he's entering his own factory and he is struggling to walk and then he does a somersault and he comes back and that was Kucherov and then he did all of those insane things in the playoffs and uh, it was exactly the same and they just walked through the factory and eliminated teams one by one and then we all chanted and watched them go out in interesting and distinct ways um they should actually we're the oompa loompas in this scenario they did (laughs) we are the oompa loompas to be clear And, uh, but yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying, but I think it's almost impossible to have like, do you remember who's on that fourth line of the Tampa Bay lightning that year? That well, it's like maroon, about? right? It's like the main one that people bring up a lot. Uh, let right. me see if I can go back and find some info here. Cause I would actually have to look at some of these rosters. I do know what you're saying is where like, I think it's just their top six is so unbelievable and their top four defensively are so unbelievable that 
it's really hard to gain any ground. And not to mention when you are still beating matchups on that first line versus first line and second line versus second line, you don't have to rely as heavily on your third and fourth lines beating their third and fourth lines, which I think is probably was probably where a lot of times Lightning are given credit for beating their opponents is in that depth because they didn't have quite as top-heavy of a team. Uh, but Colorado kind of does, in my opinion. Yeah, I think – well, it's hard to say because you know it's not like Tampa doesn't have top-line talent. No, well, you yeah, know, no. I think I think that Colorado has like I mean like, you know, having Bowen Byram on your second defensive line and having Kadri and Le- uh Rantanen as your second forwards line like though that is justifiably you can call that stack definitely. But like I feel like it's more of a thing where like their top players are just so insanely good like the Taves McCarr pairing and then McKinnon it, that's like just what I think what makes them what they are. Um, Griffin, you want to talk about the Oilers calling up Dylan Holloway, um, making his NHL debut in a possible sweep situation. Yeah, maybe just a bit of a button on our NHL talk here, because we do have a great second segment to get to, Chris. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the Oilers have called up a player named Dylan Holloway to make his NHL debut tonight in Game 4, which I think is a crazy thing to do to a kid. Uh, I don't know Dylan Holloway's situation. I don't know if he's an old pro who's been, like, very experienced or if he's a young rookie. Couldn't even be bothered to Google him, but I just saw that that was happening, and I was like, that's a crazy thing to do. Why would you do that to a poor child? He is 20 years old. He was the Oilers' first-round pick in the 2020 draft. Okay, that's what I thought. So, yeah, he's young. He's And you're just going to throw the kid to the wolves? Like. But isn't that, like, the thing in the NHL? Because I remember, like, my mind being blown. Because, you know, I think the big one everyone remembers is Makar, right? How he came in for the Avalanche in the playoffs and then was amazing right away. Clem, like, that's just a thing that people do in the NHL playoffs, right? Like, it's not really a thing in any other sport, though. No, but I do think that this particular situation is a lot different. Sure. And I think what Griffin is getting at here is that it's not like he's walking in even to the series where everyone's going to be excited and you're going in being like, wow, it's my first game ever. Like just looking at the human being side of it. Um, if they lose that game, I mean, that kid is still going to be like, holy smokes, that was so cool. I just played my first ever NHL game. And that room is going to feel like a funeral. Yeah. And I yeah, think that, that is walking what in be and so having the best it. night of your life that you've been working for for 20 years and your team gets swept at home in the conference finals and like the entire building's just dull and depressed. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I like, mean, it's also like. They could they could also win the game <laughs> if you know if you don't want to if you don't want to be sad about could getting they, swept then you could, could they always win the game. they could right <laughs> like is yeah, it are I mean, we at the they point absolutely they could absolutely win the game and who knows maybe Dylan Holloway scores the game winning goal we have no then, idea then then we're I having mean, another conversation totally and the way that it looks right now. It looks like Edmonton will get swept and Dylan Holloway's first ever NHL career game will be the saddest game of their franchise's history over the past like five years. <laughs> well, congratulations I- to Dylan from, <laughs> from your friends here at High Floor Low Ceiling. Uh, by the time this Let's podcast him, comes out, we'll follow the game his will career with great interest. Yes, that's uh, true as well. 
Yeah, we're going to declare Dylan Holloway an official friend of the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. And good luck tonight, Dylan. We're rooting for you. <laughs> uh, we will have already seen the results by the time this comes out. I did just realize. But that will definitely be an enjoyable game to watch. Uh, we will see how that turns out. We simply must take a quick break, but we will return with High Floor, Liu Silang. And welcome back to High Floor, Low Ceiling. Uh, I want to take a page out of Griffin's book and wish a happy June to everyone. Uh, and Griffin, as you know, what? You did that earlier in the episode. That, yeah, that's true. I was just, I, is it like, do we not say happy pride? Do we just say happy June? Did oh. I do it wrong? <laughs> you're, you're so terrified of getting canceled. <laughs> Have you seen that clip of Jimmy Fallon with the uh, <laughs> Yeah, that with RuPaul, that's really good. Uh, everyone go seek that out. No, I, I didn't mean it in that way. It just meant that you wished every, you just noted that it was June. And I'm yes, also noting that it was June, but for a different reason. Yes, you Which are. is that, as you know, whenever the calendar flips, Griffin, we get a new uh, movie theme month. I really thought uh, you were saying my... rhyme there. Whenever the calendar <laughs> the... flips, the movies... Get hip. Go to your hips. Oh, okay. We're in the same ballpark here. Um, this month's a little special, Griffin, because there's actually a second uh, movie challenge that I'm partaking in. And this one has a sports what? Uh, relation to it. And I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, we should definitely be uh, covering this on the podcast next week. So a little tease for next week. Uh, Griffin, I'm taking part in something known as The Hustle Bustle. Can you guess what this is in regards to, Griffin? When you say, like, whenever you say you're taking club, part in things, I always here. wonder, is this, like, organized by some sort of charity, or is this just, this just like a Discord server you stumbled upon? Um, <laughs> I would say I stumbled upon it. Uh, I'm a member, Hustle certainly. Bustle, I think, is going to be where you have to watch a movie a day for an entire month, and you gotta, like, really hustle to watch those movies. Well, you know, I can, I usually watch a movie every day. That's beside the point. Um, no, Griffin, of course, this weekend, uh, a new film, or maybe it's just in the middle of the week, weirdly, but a new film is dropping, uh, on the server, or uh, service rather, and a server. They do use a server, I imagine, known as Netflix. It stars Adam Sandler. Oh, Lord. It is called Hustle. Are you familiar with this? Oh, yeah. Clem, you're that, that one I actually saw the trailer. That that doesn't look like a normal Adam Sandler movie. I feel like this one's going to be good. That's incredibly offensive for you to say. <laughs> but, Clem, do you have takes on Adam Sandler since we're here? Yeah. Well, I was actually going to say the exact opposite. It doesn't look... Well, I agree with Griffin. It doesn't look like a normal Adam Sandler movie. And that's because it won't go into my movie Hall of Fame like most Adam Sandler film, <laughs> films do. So... I He's love just him lazy. Sandler. That's the thing that bothers me. He's very That's funny. That's so wrong. That's He's so very wrong. Funny. He's very know. charismatic. His performances are always good. He's a great comedic performer. But whenever he's, so he's in not charge lazy. of the making so of So you're just movie, criticizing his work ethic that I feel like you don't know very much about. If I'm being totally I can honest. tell. Because like Griffin, have it, you seen Hubie Halloween? No. Have you seen Sandy Wexler? No. Have you seen The Week Of? Which one's that? It's but with no. him and Chris Rock. His children are getting married. So you're not really in a position 
to judge out of Sailor's work, are you? <laughs> I've seen the ones that I need to see to form this opinion. Grown-ups, it's just like, just sit down. Him and Chris oh, Rock man. and David Spade, they're all hilarious people. So just sit down, take an hour, rewrite it, make it funny. That's all you have to do. Grown-ups too, so good. Yeah, I saw this. One of you. One of the great supporting performances is Taylor Lautner in Grown-ups too. <laughs> he is good. I saw it in the theaters. <laughs> great as you alluded to Griffin, this is not a normal adam sandler movie this is adam taking on one of his more dramatic roles which he's and good so at. in and i mean he's a great actor so of course yeah so in the spirit of hustle coming out i'm taking part in the hustle bustle which is we we're going through some of adam sandler's more dramatic fare we're not touching uh you know uncut gems punch drunk love everyone recognizes those are great movies and he is great in them so i'm going through some of the more maligned ones so i've watched spanglish quite solid james l brooks i've watched click of course very solid we know this Rain over me. Isn't it rain Very. over me? <laughs> it's it would be much too complicated to explain. The movie is called Rain Over Me. The song Love Rain Over Me does factor into the plot somewhat. Uh it's about, you know, since we've already brought up September eleventh on this podcast, it is about Adam Sandler having lost his family in nine eleven. Uh, and he has like post traumatic stress. It is a very, very bad movie. I would not recommend anyone go see it. <laughs> one of his worst performances. It's um, one of the best kitchen remodeling stories, though, of the modern <laughs> era, I would argue. I've, I've never heard of this Club, movie. Have you I'm seen convinced, this movie? I'm convinced you Rain two are improving this right now. There's no way this is real. <laughs> well, Griffin, Absolutely of course it's. Of course it's real, Griffin. There's an extended subplot where Adam Sandler plays the PlayStation 2 video game Shadow of the Colossus. How could that not be real? <laughs> it's just product placement in a 9-11 movie? I don't even think it's product placement. I don't know how to categorize it exactly. Uh, but a very strange movie. Not what I would recommend watching. Uh, maybe you disagree, Clem. Do you like that movie? You know what? It was. I watched When I watched it, it was still so close to 9-11 I, I just can't have an impartial opinion mm, i see very <laughs> tactful of you uh and That's then yesterday page. yesterday i watched funny people very solid as well of course you know it's got seth rogan in there very long film famously but uh you know i like when judd lets him breathe a little have either of you seen uh, the king of staten island with pete davidson yeah i was a big fan of that movie i have not that's one that could be up your alley, Clem. I think you'd actually enjoy that one. I think um, I would, too. I like Pete. Sure. Great guy. And then today I will be watching uh, The Cobbler. Oh, I heard that the, was terrible. Oh, I've heard that as well. Does, does this have time, time travel involved, or is it reincarnation? There's a magical yeah. element, certainly. Um, and then tomorrow will be Men, Women, and Children. The jason reitman opus uh and then the day after that will be the hustle or just hustle not the hustle with anne hathaway and rebel wilson very different mm. thing anyways so besides that there's also tv Un, but we don't have time to get into that <laughs> it's where you watch tv movies uh TV. so happy happy tv Un <laughs> to everyone <laughs> Uh, but let's get on to our these names. <laughs> <laughs> You're really sandlering uh, these names. 
Um, you are clueless. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on to our second segment. We're going to bring back a time-honored tradition on high floor, low ceiling. Uh, Griffin knocking his microphone, of course. It's a tale as old as time. Uh, I had to. I had to. <laughs> hey, I'm knocking hey. here. Uh, <laughs> we're going to play a little bit of real or fake with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they are currently 31 and 22. They are second in the AL East. They have sort of, you know, obviously, I think most people know, did not have the hottest start in Major League Baseball. They have been on the upswing lately. I think they've now won, I guess, 8 of 10. You would say they did just lose the series to the Minnesota Twins, but have been on the upswing, certainly. Um, you know, getting up there in all the batting stats that they were sort of average on at one time. You know like, why they're finally on, here? on the uh, upswing? Chris, it's because they're finally swinging up. They're finally Ooh. not hitting every ball into the ground at 100 miles an hour. They're so lifting. true. And Clem, that what, were you just removing a piece of tape, or what was going on there? Yeah, that's as, uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. I just bought a, a pack of three Hanes tagless shirts the other day, Ooh. and they come rolled up in the bag, and there's two pieces of tape on each one to kind of keep them rolled up, and I have been discarding them wherever I've been putting on the shirts throughout my house, and have slowly been finding all of those pieces of tape um, as I've been putting them on in the morning, in the afternoon, and I found one on my chair there. So, I was so did you get dressed in this chair? Mm-hmm. We're currently looking at you sitting in your kitchen. Did you get dressed in a chair in your kitchen this morning? Uh, no, this is probably from yesterday or the day before. These are actually my work shirts for Cafe <laughs> Diplomatico. I see. Uh, Just another another, another shout out. Yeah, another shout out to the old Cafe Dip. Come um, if you're interested. <laughs> that's a great. That's self. all the information you get. <laughs> That's what I say to all my lovers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you're interested. Um, The Blue Jays, like I said, they have they've been a little up and down this season. They haven't been the most reliable. What's up? (laughs) It was a cum joke. Um, Sorry, we'll get into your lovers' fake orgasms. Is what he was getting. If we could wow. just have like a, a beep, like a sensor beep for all of this. <laughs> this is a family show. Well, we could we could work a little bl- you said the F word earlier. That's not the same thing. That's just a word. This is, <laughs> this is mature content. Sure. Uh we're well, working blue. I'll mark this as explicit. Yeah, we're gonna Mentally, to maybe not emotionally. Um Clem, I'll throw the first question to you. So I'm, I, I've, you know, I've written down a few statements about the Toronto Blue Jays and their season thus far. It's up to you to tell me if they are real statements or fake statements. I know you hate this segment. You have a low opinion of it. You have a low opinion of us. But I hope you can survive <laughs> going through this. Clem, I will pose the first question to you. George Springer is the best position player on the Blue Jays. Is this real or is this fake, Clem? I think it's a I think it's real. Are we just saying that <laughs> someone said this at some point? Is that what this is? I, it's 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 true or false, but real or fake. I'm oh, I'm making okay. statements that 
can be interpreted maybe multiple ways that Were there can be some Were you thinking of the game on. that we played last time? The first oh. game is fake baseball <laughs> trivia. <laughs> well, no, the way, that it, the way that it was pitched to me was actually just like, these are phrases. Do you think that they're real or fake phrases? It's like absolutely yeah, somebody very might have evident. said that at some point. Like, so that's just so clearly a thing. I'm say. saying thank is... you again for having me on high floor <laughs> low opinion. This is... <laughs> I'm I, I'm basically posing this question to you and asking you whether you believe it is a true opinion or a false opinion in your eyes. Right. Okay. <laughs> so we'll like go me to the, restate we'll... the question. This is a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So George Springer Clem. The best position player on the Toronto Blue Jays. Is this real or is this fake? As of today, like if we're talking about today, <laughs> the man cannot help but hedge. <laughs> this is clarification. This is clarification. There's so much ambiguity on these I think, sorts of things. that. Okay, I think here's what I'll say. I think it's fair to say that he has performed the best of any Blue Jay thus far this season. And so the question then is, is he, you know, if we're projecting out for the rest of the season, is he going to be the best performing position player throughout the rest of 2022? I'm not asking for their careers. I think that probably he will start to fall off in a few years and players like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will continue to produce. Uh, but you know, for this season going forward, is he going to remain the, the number one guy on this roster for the season? I think that there's a great chance out of all of the position players that he will be the best. He will have the best 2022 season. Um, I think that there is an off chance that he could be outperformed from this point going forward, especially with the talent that's on that roster. Uh, and their ability to make adjustments to the league that have made adjustments to them. Um, but overall, based on how good he's been thus far and how good he, I do think, will be remaining in for the rest of 2022 season, he will have the best 2022. So that is what I would say. Real or fake? He is the so real. real. All right. <laughs> I, Chris, realish. I'm going to go <laughs> Jack, I Jack, Jack Realish. Jack Realish. I'm gonna go you with relish fake. the opportunity to be on the podcast. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, can you? Are we here to analyze or are we here to riff? Good God. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with fake Chris. Through no disrespect to George Springer, who's had a phenomenal start to the season and is a great baseball player, but uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is. We all know the book on Vladdy Guerrero Jr., a generational prospect, the runner-up for AL MVP last year. He's been adjusted to a bit. He's sort of, he's trying too hard, I think, is a big problem with him. But I think that the Blue Jays have a great coaching staff. I think that they'll be able to work with him. We're seeing signs. He's starting to hit more home runs again. So I think by the end of the year, he will have rightly reasserted himself and maybe Bo Bichette as well. Uh, so wow. I'm going to go with fake on that statement, despite my love for George Springer, which is plentiful. Uh, come on now. It's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and there's not that much to say. Come on now. It's George Springer, arguably the best postseason performer of this generation. Yeah, well, they have to make the postseason. Um, Which they've done. Not with George Springer. (laughs) And they will. (laughs) Yes, they will. Uh, I agree. But uh, I'll 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 throw it back to you here, Clement. Do you think that 
there is a a conversation to be had about anyone up because you know I think it's fair to say the conversation starts with George Springer versus Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Is there anyone else you think other than Santiago Espinal, of course, of course, who uh, can find their way into that conversation? Uh no, no, there isn't. <laughs> All right, uh, I think that the, the obvious second choice would probably be someone like Bo Bichette, who has, um, I think, led the league in hits last year or something like that, yeah. and is uh, just a great great hitter um i don't think will ever reach the heights that vladdy guerrero has already reached and i think will produce uh, a few more times in his career um it's just not uh i just don't think he's quite quite at that level i'd love to see him prove me wrong but uh he's a very 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 good hitter and that is my book on boba shet uh santiago espinal's <laughs> Obviously, could do anything he wanted, and is <laughs> overall. If we're talking about ball player, if we're talking about ball. If you're just talking about ball player, talking about Santiago ball, that guy's a ball player. If if we're talking about ball players strictly, Santiago Espinal is the best that we've ever seen in this generation. <laughs> but if we're talking about, oh, absolutely, he'll give you 162 <laughs> games of effort, nine innings each. Um, I forgot that I actually are, had a realer fake about Santiago Espinal, so I'll segue directly <laughs> to that. Clem, I know, you know, we, we have some fun. We love Santiago Espinal. He has been really, really good to start the season. So my question for you is, going forward, Santiago Espinal is the Blue Jays' everyday second baseman and has basically bumped Kevin Biggio or any other kind of utility infielder out of the lineup and he will continue to i think it's fair to say will not continue to be this good but will continue to do enough to uh cement his position as the everyday second baseman for this team yeah absolutely i think he's he's a finally done enough to cement his position there he's gonna be one of those guys like if the blue jays win the world series this year or over the next like two years He'll be one of those guys that you looked at when you're looking down the roster. You'll obviously remember the Springers, the Guerreros, the Bichettes, you know, even to a certain extent, just because he's been on the roster so long, Guriel, and maybe even Danny Jansen, um, not to mention Kirk, but like, you'll, you'll, you'll get to, um, Espinal's name, I think. And you'll be like, wow, he had that like career year that year. And he like, you know, hit 280 and was on base for 350. And you're like, that's what it takes to kind of win a World Series is someone like Espinal performing at a much higher level than you kind of anticipated. Your stars have to be stars, but you kind of expect them to be stars. Um, I think Espinal has kind of finally worked himself into that position of being that like, you know, maroon being on the fourth line if you will it's mm-hmm. like wow espinal is you know he's not the guy you expect to perform but perform throughout the year and it's part of the big part of the reason why they'll get to as far as they can go if they do go that far this year yeah it reminds me a bit the way you're talking there of clem of like ben revere back in 2015 was like a guy who came in and had the best stretch of his career but my thing with santiago espinal is that we are still talking about a guy who's hasn't even hit 500 career at bats yet like we still really don't know much about what we're looking at here um so i mean it's great what we've been seeing he's 27 years old so i don't think there's much growth left in him even though he hasn't had a ton of major league experience but i think that for now chris like you said yeah he's basically relegated kevin biggio to trade bait um and i think that 
assuming that there's no drop off in production as pitchers start to adjust as he gets a little more big league experience. I think, yeah, I'm going to say real as well that he's claimed that everyday second baseman job, in, at least until Arelvis Martinez arrives. Wow, I love yeah, it. I don't think he's you. part of the uh, organization's long-term plan, but I think for this season, he's absolutely a super viable option that raises the Blue Jays' floor. For sure. Mm-hmm. And we love floor-ceiling and talk. Absolutely. Anytime you can get work that in to the room, <laughs> which famously have floors and ceilings. Oh, <laughs> he did it again. <laughs> he's so major. Um, no, I totally agree. You know, I mean, I think, Everyone is very, very happy with what they have seen from him so far this season. And, you know, in a season where a lot of, you know, even, you know, you expect the stars to be stars and the stars haven't always played like stars uh, at times this season. Um, although, you know, things do, like we said, appear to be on the upswing that having a guy like that who is consistently giving you more than you expected from him, I think is, is a, like you said, Clem, a very important uh, piece of the puzzle there. Uh, real or fake, this is an interesting timing because of a, a recent start. Well, really recent starts by both these players, but Griffin, real or fake, both Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa are the real deal, meaning they will continue to be, you know, basically like A, A-level performers as starting pitchers for this season going forward. Yeah, I'm going 100% real, Chris. Uh, I was a little skeptical when they signed Kevin Gosman to that contract. I thought he was more likely to uh, reproduce what he did in 2021 than Robbie Ray was, and I was right about that. Um, but <laughs> I was still a little skeptical to sign a guy who had sort of been a bit of a one-year wonder. But it, now we've seen that in the American League East against these elite offenses in these smaller ballparks than he had to face in the National League West – it's a hundred percent real. And you look at the pitches that he throws. It's like, good God, how could anyone ever hit this guy? It's no surprise at all that he didn't give up a home run for his first, however many starts of the season. So Gossman, I think is 100% real. I've been thrilled with him. He's like, it's been a long, long time since the Blue Jays. I guess you'd go back to David Price in 2015, where it's like, oh, this guy's starting. I want to tune in tonight. And for me, Kevin Gossman has been that this year. And Alec Manoa, has been right there with him, like uh, just an electric, electric arm. They're both real. I think they both have shown the ability to front a rotation, and it's been very handy with Barrios sort of struggling a bit that these two guys have both emerged as current aces and Manoa a future ace as well. Yeah, uh, the way the Blue Jays pitching staff is right now, I mean, it almost feels like, and I think this is sort of what we expected coming into the season, Griffin. You know, we've used this phrase a few times, like, a lot of eights and no 10 is, yeah. and that's sort of where the blue Jays are, right? Clem, where it's like, they have a lot of really quality guys who can give you a really quality performance on any given day. But, you know, do you feel totally comfortable with these guys starting like a, you know, a game seven or whatever of, of a playoff game? Do you feel, are you happy with, you know, a Gosman or a Manoa or even a Barrios, assuming he sort of, returns a little bit back to his top form obviously had a great start uh last time he was up do you feel say, comfortable having one of those guys in a game one we'll go to you first griffin well just before just interject clem chris you used that great metaphor about eights gosman and manoa may have like an eight reputation but so far this year i think they've been pitching like tens that's fair they they have been you know really top and obviously gosman you know we're taping this the day after he had a, a really rough start there was some talk about him 
possibly tipping his pitches. And that's a whole thing that will, will probably continue to be a storyline going forward. But like, I agree with you that they have been pitching like, you know, nines or tens thus far, but you know, you assume a little bit of regression to the mean as we like to talk about Clem, uh, for, from both sides for, for that sort of trio of top line starters. Yeah, I mean, I think that the only person that I wouldn't necessarily include in terms of regression, just because we don't have the whole book on him yet, is Alec Manoa, who I think is kind of gaining everyone's trust uh, as he's putting together this unbelievable career so far to start. Um probably the person that I think most fans would want to see in a game seven or a game one, to, depending on where you, how it would work out right. scheduling wise. Um, but if it's a do or die situation, I think Manoa right now for most people uh, is the person that you'd want in there. Gosman is an interesting case um, moving forward. I'm actually just looking at some stuff right now, seeing if I could pull up. If we're to go by last year's performance, uh, starting at June 5th, he did have a 3.63 ERA from that point on. He finished still under with a sub-3 ERA over the course of the season, but it was because he had such an unbelievable start. So unbelievable starts are not out of the ordinary necessarily for Gosman. Um, I'm not saying that I'm worried about him moving forward, uh, but I think a regression to the mean, like you put it, is more or less inevitable for Gosman. Um so do you do you still feel comfortable enough with his performance so far that you can say he's the real deal? I'm not, you know, obviously nothing is certain, but I'm not worried about him going out in a playoff start and giving up, you know, however many he did this in his last start, like four or five runs in two innings or something like that. Yeah, no, totally. I think he's the real deal. Like, he's still a person that I think most teams are going to be uh, preparing for and are going to have to work very hard against. Um, he still has one of the best pitches in the game. Uh, even if you know it's coming, it's borderline difficult to hit, though there is some evidence that maybe if you do know it's coming and if he's overthrowing his splitter in, uh, you know, pitching-friendly counts that people are laying off, um, and maybe you, there's some credence to learning more about uh, two-pitch pitchers as the season goes on and how to kind of effectively combat their arsenal because it is so much smaller than, you know, a five-pitch pitcher. Um, absolutely. I'm still confident, though, in him in, like, a playoff game. Like, he can still get it done. Absolutely. There's one game For here. Sure. Uh, what? He had 11 strikeouts in September on September 26th last year, um, very deep into the season. Um he can still absolutely get it done, you know, at any given moment. And that's what I think I like so much about Toronto Blue Jays' entire rotation is that any one of those guys can lock it down for a game. Um, are you necessarily always confident in one through five that they're going to pitch the best game of their life? No. But can they absolutely show you what they're capable of on any given day? A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We'll do one last quick one here. Sorry, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think you said it all. I, I love to, I love to hear you speak on these matters, Clown. I love to hear your opinions on these things. Um, we are running long, as we tend to do when uh, Clem is in the studio. Not for any, uh, I'm not saying that negatively, but it is a a truth of time and space. <laughs> uh, 
I'll just hit you both with one last question because the Jays are in an interesting spot. You know, when we, when I was sort of putting this together last week, they were in third in the division. They're now in second. They're half a game up on Tampa. It would be quite surprising if anyone catches the Yankees. I feel like this season they've been, you know, a little banged up, but still playing super well. Obviously, Aaron Judge seems like, you know, an early MVP front runner and things of that nature. Um, Blue Jays seven and a half games back of them. So the question I will pose to you instead of, you know, saying, can they win the division or anything like that is, are the Jays and Rays about as good as the other, like they are right now? Jays at 31 and 22, Tampa at 31 and 23. Are they about equal in terms of overall quality? I'll come to you first, Clem. Uh, I think that the Blue Jays will have a better rest of the year. Um, are they the same in terms of uh, talent or quality? It's always hard to say with the Rays because of the way that they kind of cobble together their wins is made up much more in the aggregate than in individual talent kind of powering them through games and getting them wins it feels like you know they um really create a roster and a team and they mix in arm angles uh with their pitchers and they emphasize defense and uh it's kind of difficult to measure how they'll do because when you look at them on paper you don't see it but when you see them throughout the season and their arm angles are coming out all differently and weird and yes we've got simber on the roster for the blue jays but that doesn't mean we're doing what tamp is doing um it's kind of always difficult to predict, but I do think that the Blue Jays have been underperforming, whereas the Tampa Bay Rays have been performing, and uh, therefore, I think that the Blue Jays have a stronger case at uh, finishing ahead of them. Yeah, I'm going to say that the real? question. I kind of missed it. Real, or do I have to say real or fake? <laughs> yeah, you do have to say. Real I, or you fake. do. Have, you do have to say real or fake. It's true. I did phrase it more as a question, and that was my fault. I should have said. I should have made a statement and asked you if it was real or fake, and that was my fault. <laughs> Sorry, you know how much I struggle with these segments. I need a rundown as to how they work and how they actually go about. I need like I have like fifteen follow up questions, and um, and uh, Griffin is now stroking his brow with frustration. <laughs> no, yeah. Griffin, take us home here. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays, real or fake? Oh, I'm gonna say. Wait, the Ra- the Tampa Bay or, Rays well, in general? What? <sighs> Jays and Rays a Clem moment from (laughs) (laughs) Jays and Rays being equal is this real or is this fake yeah I'm gonna say real you could say the Jays are worse but I feel like that would be unlikely (laughs) true you know what I mean Uh, I'm gonna say real on these two teams being in a pretty intense uh, fight the rest of the year to get that second place in the American League East I think Clem put it very well when he said that the Blue Jays have been underperforming and the Rays have been performing. Uh, but I think that there is still a, you have to account for the Rays to overperform as they do every year as well. And the Blue Jays to perform, they'll overperform at times, but I feel like the Blue Jays, uh, have a, a high ceiling. Uh, that they won't hit quite as often as the Rays will. Like the Blue Jays have more variance in their team. Uh, we're he cheering said, uh, off yeah, he like said to <laughs> raucous applause uh so i'm gonna go with real on these two teams being very equal and having a really entertaining fight down the stretch yeah i see what you're saying but like you know in a, in a playoff series or some kind of truncated series of games obviously i think the blue jays can just explode and be insanely good 
But I, I see what you're saying over the course of a full season. That will have to do it for us today. Uh, thank you so much, Clem, for joining us. Uh, we loved having you as always. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter at <laughs> Clem C C N N L L. That is your Twitter yes. handle. You haven't thought about changing that. Despite our it's advice too late now. Time. I'm on my road to 200. And if I were to drop that now. Yeah, it would I affect just, the I, brand. I think you could probably just change the handle without losing any followers, couldn't you? Can you? I think so. Uh, yes, you can. Uh, <laughs> that's beside the point. Uh, you can follow Griffin at GriffinPorter97. You can follow myself at Jan. Can listen to my other podcasts. The Bevy of Bevies season finale is coming up this week. That's going to be a big one. We're already hard at work planning the summer season, which will be exciting. Uh, and of course, listen to Got the Runs as well. Uh, I think that will do it for this episode, unless anyone has anything to add. And nope. I'm going to pause for a moment. And I think that's well, it. I'd also like to say happy June. I just don't want to come across. Oh, yeah. Didn't <laughs> celebrate the month, by the way. I don't know why you put me in such an awkward position. Chris. Being the one no, person like, yeah. who doesn't, who doesn't so, say it was June. Is ostensibly anti-June at the end of this podcast. I don't want to be interpreted as that. Um, no. Happy Pride and happy June to everyone. Yeah, I said Absolutely. happy pride, but I didn't say happy June. So happy June to all of you out there. Uh, it's a great month. And, you know, I guess I'll wish everyone a happy pride. It's really mostly about me, but uh, <laughs> at any <Pride>. rate, <laughs> Chris Prider uh, from the freaking uh, Rangers. Uh, that'll do it for today's Freakin'. episode. Until next time, keep your floors high and your ceilings low. <laughs>